Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. It is a great day for Talk Radio, the Friday edition of The Oakley Show, with our friend Conrad Black, who joins us. As a rule at this time, he's an author, commentator, and historian, and boy, we could certainly use his uh, insight at this point in time, with the notwithstanding clause having been invoked here in the province of Ontario and causing much turmoil in the last 48 to 72 hours. Conrad, good to have you on The Oakley Show, as always. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me on, John. Always a pleasure. (laughs) Well, listen, uh, where do we start? I mean, I've had a preview of your piece in the Post uh, for tomorrow, and you're suggesting that uh, Doug Ford was... Very much in the right to invoke the notwithstanding clause. I believe he was. Okay, elaborate. I have, I have a high admiration for Judge Ed uh, Bellababa. Uh, he, he, uh, he's a very able, fair-minded man. But in this case, I, I think he, he's been drinking the Charter of Rights Kool-Aid. I mean, uh, the, uh, the uh, reduction of the number of city councillors from 47 to 25 has absolutely nothing to do with freedom of expression for the voters or the councillors. You don't need more than 25 councillors, and it's a straight administrative question. It's not an infringement on anyone's rights, but this is the kind of thing when even a very fine judge like that can go off the dock and impute motives to the premier, which he has no standing to do. He's not a mind reader. You're accusing him of acting out of peak. He doesn't know what he acted out of. He might have acted because he had a toothache. On the other hand, he might have thought, this is a good thing to do. I used to sit in the city council, and it would work better with fewer councillors. And... Um, uh, and in any case, it's the premier backed by a majority in the legislature. It's his right to do it. Uh, and uh, But what I'm looking forward to is all of the governments, all the provincial uh, uh, governments and the federal government, all of them pulling out the notwithstanding clause and putting these judges back in their place. Of course, they, they have a terribly important role, and their independence mustn't be interfered with. But But they're not legislators. Their job is to interpret the law and apply the law, not to make it up themselves. Yeah, you impute a certain significance even to what Doug Ford has just done. I do. I, I, I mean, I think it'll get everybody thinking. As I mentioned in the piece you kindly referred to, it's in the National Post tomorrow, but and I think it's on their site now. But they, uh, I was astounded when Brad Wall, a very able man who was the premier of Saskatchewan, as you know, didn't use the notwithstanding clause when my dear friend, which she is, Rosie Abella, Justice of the Supreme Court of Canada, a friend of 40 years, uh, wrote a judgment, supported, there were dissents, but she had enough to carry the, carry the judgment, uh, that, that the right of assembly in the Charter of Rights permits uh, public service workers in Saskatchewan, and therefore elsewhere, uh, even working in a designated essential service, to go on strike. Now, the right of assembly, as you know, is the right of you and me and your listeners to group together uh, in a way that doesn't uh, block uh, traffic or inconvenience other people and, and discuss whatever we want as long as it's not an offense to public decency or an act of treason or sedition. That's what the right of assembly is. It has nothing to do with, with being, uh, for example, a key hospital worker or first responder or something like that working for a provincial government saying, right, down tools, lads, or right on strike. Hmm. You know, like Fleet Street before I got there. I mean, <laughs> that isn't how it works. 
Well, then let's just uh, go back, and you can put this into some historical perspective, because as a matter of history, the notwithstanding clause, uh, some see it as indispensable to national unity. In fact, the country might never have survived if it wasn't in the Charter to begin with, and you knew you were very close to Pierre Trudeau on this matter, or do you think it's an irreconcilable flaw in the Charter? Look, I, I think it is problematical in a way, and I thought when Pierre Trudeau attacked Brian Mulroney on the Meech Lake Agreement, he, he really led with his chin because he had conceded reluctantly the notwithstanding clause because that was the only way to get uh, Bill Davis, then the Premier of Ontario, and Peter Lougheed, the Premier of Alberta, two very influential premiers, to uh, to subscribe to his entire formula for patriating the Constitution so we could amend it entirely in Canada and and bringing in the Charter of Rights. And uh, that you'll recall that Quebec was never consulted in that, which is a sore point in Quebec, but I think they were right not to. I don't think René Lévesque was bargaining in good faith. But Trudeau was upset about it, and he said at the concluding session of the Federal Provincial Conference that I, I don't like this, but with all my heart, he said, I, I support and endorse this compromise. I don't like that particular part of it, but the overall compromise is a good one. And the fear we all had then was that it would be used to reduce the civil rights of people. And it was, in fact, used in that way by the government of Robert Bourassa in Quebec to vacate a federal, you know, higher court ruling requiring bilingualism and the acceptance of bilingualism. And the government of Quebec then, and, and at times subsequently, has been trying to suppress the English language in a way that is outrageous. But under the original British North America Act, transported forward into the present Constitution, provinces are responsible for property and civil rights, and, he, and Barassa had the right to do it. But, but uh, that was what was feared. But what we now have, as so often happens in Canada, is exactly the reverse. The judges are completely out of control. They've handed the country to the native people, so you can't, you know, every time you want to build a pipeline from, from I'm making this up, but say from Mimico to Newmarket, you're going over 10 native cemeteries that haven't been seen for the last 200 years, but they're apparently there, and so you can't do anything. And if you are going to do it, you have to consult with them for 25 years first. This is the courts doing, and it's nonsense. They're, they're making... The this country is shambles. They're turning two sexes into a multiplicity of genders. It's just, it's just like children in a candy store. It's the same principle. If you give them absolute power, I mean, they don't go around sending people to prison at whim, but they, but they meddle in a foolish way, and that's what we're getting. Again, with Conrad Black, I got an email from Mark, and he wanted to know uh, if Mulroney abdicated his responsibility to protect Anglophone rights against Barassa, but you were just saying Barassa had every right to do it. Within... Well, he had a right to do it, but I, I will say, that's from Mark Stein? No, it's uh, just Mark, an emailer, uh, correspondent to the show. I, well, you know, I, 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 uh, I thought at the time, and I said at the time, that when Brian said in, in and he's a dear friend of mine and has been for more than 50 years, but when he said uh, in the House of Commons that Quebec has no lessons to learn on treatment of minorities from English Canada, I mean, historically he made a point, but that, that implicitly said that Quebec had the right to do what it was doing. It had the right but it, but it was still a terrible thing to do, and it sandbagged Meech Lake. That that would have been one of Brian's greatest accomplishments, and Barassa killed that, and he had had the National Assembly of Quebec vote for it. So, you know, the, I, I, I wouldn't say Brian Mulroney 
betrayed English Quebec. He was in a difficult position, uh, but I, I think he could have handled the public relations differently. And I don't think he got any credit from the French Quebecers, and he got a great deal of irritation from people like your correspondent. And, and, I, and he got, even for me, and I'm pro-Brian. By the way, Conrad, I did want to ask, because you were railing just a moment or two ago on how this uh, has all unraveled. Speaking civilly, not really. Yeah, that, how do you think Pierre Trudeau would react to how the charter is being applied, or at least a notwithstanding clause today? I, I, I think he'd be horrified. His idea was to take the rights argument away from the debate about federal and provincial powers and make the point that what was important was not a, a tug of war between politicians at different levels. It was the, the entrenchment and that was the word that he used, of the rights of, of all people uh, in the jurisdiction. And, and, and uh, he, he, he foresaw that it could get complicated, but he did not see this. And, and it was hard to see it. But, but I would have thought some of these judges, many of them, and I'm not talking about Bella Baba here. I mean, I, you know, he, he, he said what he said. I'd still but if these activist that. judges start getting too petulant and uh, picky, then you're saying it's every uh, much the right of Doug Ford to invoke it, even if he has to do it several times. You're good with that. Uh, yeah, I'm good with Doug doing it, and I would trust him to do it sensibly as a reasonable defender of the, of, of the provincial jurisdiction. But, uh, look, frankly, almost anyone except a very highly principled uh, and self-disciplined person, if given an open door to press on towards something that they like, namely a greater jurisdiction and an ability to have a greater importance in their milieu, will will take that temptation, yield to it. And judges in that sense are no better than four-year-old children in a candy store. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we leave on that note? Let's uh, do it. It's always fun. Conrad, appreciate it. We'll talk next week. You have a nice weekend. Same to you, John, and your listeners. Thank you, Conrad Black, author, commentator, historian. Uh, what is left unsaid. Uh,